as Darcy said, we are starting a brand new series called Church 1.0, which is very exciting. Let me just prop that up. The, the church has been around for several thousand years, and ever since, it's been changing, it's been morphing, it's been stretching, it's been growing, and the church has always been about Jesus. And the church will always be about Jesus, right? The Word of God is the Word of God. We cannot, we will not ever change that. But over the centuries, the methodology of the church has, in fact, been changing quite drastically. Like, it's fair to say that the way we do church today is very different from the way that they did church in the early days. And sometimes we get worked up over that, but the truth is it's okay. It's okay that church looks different today. Well, church has been... uh, has never been more impactful than it is today. Um, what I want us to do in this series is jump back to look at some of the early practices of the church. We're doing this across all of our campuses because there's some things that the early church did that they had in place that allowed it to explode with growth and impact billions of people across the planet. Now, don't get me wrong. Like, I want us to be the most creative, out-of-the-box thinking, ground-taking, status quo-challenging church like that we can possibly be. But the truth is, there are just some things that stand the test of time. There are just some things that worked then and will work today. And we want to take the next four weeks to journey through some of those main things. When we look back, we see that the early church kept to some of these practices, and as a result, the church expanded, the gospel was preached, miracles took place, the, there was the lost being saved every single day, and the church was growing. The early church began after Jesus uh, was crucified and then resurrected, but before this took place, Jesus instructed his disciples. He said, I want you to go to Jerusalem, and when you get there, wait until you receive the Holy Spirit. And so the disciples did as they were told. They went to Jerusalem, and they began meeting in the upper room of a building and began to pray, kind of like this. How cool is that? As I read that, I was like, we're in the upper room. That's awesome. And and they waited and they waited and they were expectant to see what God would do next. Bible says that they waited 50 days and after 50 days, every person there was filled with the Holy Spirit. What sounded like a gushing wind came through the place and what looked like tongues of fire rested on every single head. The account says that every person was filled with the Holy Spirit and they began speaking in tongues. Everyone was filled with power. Everyone was filled with boldness and courage and their faith rose up. And out of this came the very first church service. No doubt the scripture was shared and an invitation was given and 3,000 people gave their life to God that day. Isn't that incredible? And so this is what's taken place and we pick up the story in Acts chapter two from verse 42 to 47 and this is how it continued to unfold. It says, all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over them all and the apostles performed many miracles, signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything that they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day. They met in homes for the Lord's Supper and shared their meals with great joy and generosity. All the while, everyone say all the while. All the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of the people. And God added to their fellowship daily those who were being saved. And so what we read here in this key scripture is that People devoted themselves to four main things, to sit under the teaching of the apostles, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. These four practices were foundational in the early church, and they were catalysts for explosive growth. This is the sort of church that I want to be part of. I want to be part of a church that doesn't just stagnate and sit still and gets happy with where we're at. Like we celebrate what we have, but we're expecting and we look forward to what God is yet to do. 
And so holding these four practices as God-breathed ideas, what it did was it led to miraculous power, outrageous generosity, enjoyable favor, and the lost being saved daily. This morning, we're going to take a look at the first one of those four, how the disciples were devoted to the teaching of the apostles. They, they were devoted to sitting under and hearing the Word of God. There was, like, there was this hunger about hearing the Word of God and coming together as believers. In today's language, that would simply meet, read that they valued coming together for Sunday church. They realized that there was something powerful about coming together. They were devoted to the teaching of the apostles. There was this hunger to hear the Word of God in the presence of other believers. There was this desire to come together and hear the teachings of Jesus, but to live a life that honored God as well. See, in those times, to be a Christian and not be connected to the body and not meet together regularly and not sit under a church leader and not listen to their teaching, it just wasn't even part of their consideration. It just, it simply wasn't something that you would do. I heard a story that one Sunday morning, a mum goes into her son's bedroom and says, son, it's time to get up and go to church. And in a grumbling state, he says, I don't want to go to church, mum. She says, why not? What's the problem? He says, I'll give you two reasons. Number one, they don't like me. Number two, I don't like them. She said, well, I'm going to give you two reasons why you should go to church. Number one, you're 59 years old. And number two, you're the pastor. <laughs> uh, this guy, hey. <laughs> I don't know about that guy, but I'm the opposite. I love Sunday church. It is literally the highlight of my week. I can't wait for it. It's not just about going through motions, but it's the body of believers coming together and it excites me like nothing else. It's in the church that I met a pretty lady that eventually became my wife, y'all. That's all right. I got married in the church. Sunday church has kept me on the straight and narrow. It's grown my love for God. It's helped me to build my faith. It's where I was filled with the Holy Spirit. It's helped me journey through trial. It's expanded my vision, increased my love for other people, and helped me develop my leadership. I simply would not be the person I am today without Sunday church. And you see, the local church, it's the hope of the world. And Elam Christian Center Papakura wasn't launched on the 10th of March so that we could have another institution, but so that we could reach out and impact other people. And I honestly believe that we are part of a very special move of God. And the truth is, if we're not present, we're going to miss it. If we're not present, we're going to miss what God is doing week in and week out in people's lives. Like this celebration time is out of control because God is constantly doing things in people's lives. If we're not present, we're going to miss what God wants to do in our life and how he wants to use our life to be part of something that's much bigger than ourselves. Now, I'm not reluctant to declare that this church, this campus will be a church of thousands. We're going to have a school. We're going to have a teacher's training college. But can I say it's not so that we have a bigger building. Right? It's not so that we can build an institution, but it's so that we can have bigger people. Because what this community needs and what this world needs is bigger people, God people. I want us to be part of the solution in transforming this community so that Papakura could be one of the most God-fearing, hope-carrying communities on the planet. The, the truth is Jesus died for his church. And he's coming back for his church. It is very dear to him. The Bible declares it to be the bride of Christ. We get to be a part of that. Until we see it the way that God sees it, until we see his church the way that God has a heart for his church, I can tell you it will only ever be another box to tick in one of our many to-do lists. I'm not going to ask you to put your hand up if you're busy in life. Mexican wave. It'd be everyone, right? Like everyone's busy. I get that. 
But yet God says it's so important that we make time to come together and we have to develop a heart to see the church, to see the gathering the way that God sees it. And so how you see church matters because either it's a man-made institution or it's a God-breathed strategy to save the lost and equip you and I to actually impact our community. Like it's either the hope of the world or it's not at all, right? And so how we see church matters. And so for the rest of our time together this morning, what I want to do is hopefully just share a couple of thoughts that are going to bring some clarity to the way that we do church. The way that we do church is different from the way that the church down the road do church, and that's absolutely fine. But here at Elam, we know what we've been called to do. We know who we are, and we know that if we run in that lane, God will bless us, and He'll bless the people that call at home. And so you may have been here for the first time today. Maybe you've only come a little while, and you're like, why do they do that? That way, Why do, I hope that the thoughts I can share with you will bring some clarity as to how we do church and perhaps how God would see His church as well. Is that okay? The first thing it should be in your notes that you can fill in the missing word. If you're like me, you try to figure it out, right? You try to jump the gun. Uh, number one is celebration unlocks your breakthrough. Celebration unlocks your breakthrough. You see, in the early church that we read about in Acts chapter 2, it said that they focused on four main things. Sitting under the apostles' teaching fellowship, the breaking of bread, and prayer. But did you notice how in verse 47 of that passage that we just read, it said this, it said all the while. Everyone say all the while. You said that earlier, good work. It says all the while. So these were the four main things. They focused on these four main things, but all the while, in throughout that, ingrained within it, all throughout it, as part of it, all the while they praised God. And enjoyed the goodwill of the people. Yes, they sat under the teaching of the apostles. Yes, they were devoted to fellowship and and the breaking of bread into prayer. But all the while, they praised God. They enjoyed the fellowship of the people. And God added to their number daily those who were being saved. Celebration, praise, and enjoyment were fundamental in the early church. And they are deeply ingrained within the DNA of Elam Christian Center. Come on, we don't want celebration to just be something that we do. We actually want it to outpour out of who we are. Celebration breeds hope. Celebration lifts our gaze off the challenges that we face. Celebration reminds us about who's in control. And what it does, it actually builds our faith for what's to come. Everything we do on Sunday, it's intentional to help people come and connect with the God that made them. And we do it in such a way where it makes sense to those that maybe aren't familiar with church. Why do we do that? Because church should always be an expression of God's heart. And as Darcy so brilliantly shared last week, how how the shepherd would leave the 99 and go after the one. We value every person. We know God's heart and love is perfect for every person, but he has a special place in his heart for those that don't yet know him. And so that's why we do church the way that we do it. If you've got questions, why do they do it like that? Why do they do it like that? Can I tell you, it's coming from a basis of being able to reach people that don't yet know God. You know, the other day I was chatting to um, the worship leader at our botany campus, Dan Owen. And he was telling me how after leading worship in one of the services, a man came up to him and he said, hi, Dan, um, I've got a complaint to lay. Awesome, eh? (laughs) Just what Dan needs right after leading worship. I mean, it's not like he has to get up and lead people boldly into worship in 15 minutes from then. It's not like, you know, he needs, yeah, whatever, you do you, bro. But anyway, the guy came up here to complaint to lay and he said this. He said, look, every time I come here, it's like all you lot are doing is celebrating. Dan smiled and he nodded. He said, that's my complaint. And Dan was gobsmacked. He said, oh, I'm going to take that as a compliment. Thank you. Like he didn't quite know how to respond to that. It's like, is that a complaint or is that a compliment? And as I said to Dan, he was like, 
You've got to understand, like, there is no better compliment in the world to explain, explain the way in which the style, the heart that we do praise and worship than to say it's a celebration. Because that is exactly what we're going for. Because celebration is about honor. Have you thought about it that way? Celebration is about honor. When we celebrate someone for who they are and what they've done, we're honoring them. Now, I'm not saying that life is one big celebration. That would be naive. It would be unauthentic. It would be fake. Life is not one big celebration. We certainly have hard moments. We have to recognize that. But the truth is, when we come together on a Sunday, we're going to celebrate. We're going to celebrate because we believe that God is worthy of our honor despite what we face. In fact, when we honor someone, we elevate them. When we honor someone, we lift them up. And when we withhold honor from God, what we do is we actually limit his ability to do the miraculous. It sounds interesting. Like, how could we have the ability to limit God? It's true. This is how it panned out for Jesus in the gospel accounts. Jesus was in his hometown, and people withheld honor from Jesus, and it said that he was unable to do the miracles that he originally wanted to do. There is this beautiful relationship between us coming and praising God and lifting him up and him pouring out in our lives. Now, we don't praise and worship God so that we could receive. But we do it because what he's already given us is more than we could ever ask for. It's more than we would ever deserve. See, when we come and we give thanks to God, it's not like when you be really nice to your parents in the hopes that they would give you something, right? Because the truth is, if God did nothing more for us, he's already done enough to warrant our praise and worship for the rest of our lives. And so we come to give, we come to give thanks, we come to acknowledge God for who he is. And so that means we're praising and we're worshiping from a place of victory, not for victory, right? So, so we're praising God, not so that, but because of. I'm not, thank God that I'm showing him my devotion, I'm showing him my worship so that he brings breakthrough to my life. Now you need breakthrough in your life. I need breakthrough in my life. And it's okay to have that. And you should bring that before God. But when we praise Him, when we worship Him, it's not expecting anything in return. It's God, thank you for who you are. Thank you that despite my shortcomings, my mistakes, my mess-ups, you still love me perfectly. That the plan and the purpose that you have for my life still stand. Your promises still stand despite what I've gone through. You know, a little while ago, um, there's a girl named Sam Seaton, And she's been part of the family here. And um, I don't know if you're here when we prayed for her. She went over to Sydney to do a year one year, in Jesus' name, of Hillsong Bible College. <laughs> um, she's awesome. And so she went over there and prayed for her. She's around so many Australians. Like, she's going to really have to endure that. Um, we love our Australian brothers, but I'll take any opportunity to have a dick. Amen. Um, anyway, she, so she was here back in New Zealand, and it was her birthday. And so Sam's amazing. She's super generous. She invited a couple of handfuls of people to come and celebrate her birthday at Rainbow's End. Yes, we're fully grown adults. Yes, we went to Rainbow's Inn. Don't judge us. It was a good time. Here's the crazy thing. We turned up that day ready to celebrate Sam. We had gifts for Sam. We were ready to thank her for who she was in our lives and what she meant to her. And she goes ahead and arranges a gift for every person that came. She's one of those people that give gifts on her own birthday. Who are these people? Like, people like that make people like me look like a bad person. Can I tell you that God is like the friend who gives gifts on his own birthday? When we come to church to praise and to thank him and to acknowledge him and to honor him, we don't do it to receive, but in his mercy and his grace, he chooses to pour out into our lives anyway. We come to celebrate and give back to God, but he gives to us in that process. How you see Sunday church matters. See, it may not seem like it, but everything we do on a Sunday is thoroughly thought through. 
This doesn't make it any less spiritual. It doesn't make it any less spirit-led. But in fact, I think it's honoring of people's time that we would structure our time together on a Sunday in such a way that you could connect with God in a way that brings breakthrough to your life, in a way where you can connect with Him and leave and go, I wasn't just part of a crowd today, but I met with God for myself. So when it comes to praise and worship, can I say it isn't about doing two fast songs to get you warmed up and happy, followed by two slow songs to get you reflective and emotional, right? This is not the point. Like, in the Bible, we read about how God instructed the Israelites to march around the walls of Jericho. He said, march around the walls once a day for six days, and on the seventh day, lift up a shout of praise. And they did that, and the walls came down. They shouted praise, and then the walls came down. Not the other way around. They didn't wait. Well, when, God, when you do it, God, when you do what I've been asking you to do, when I push the button on the vending machine and I get exactly what I've been asking for, then you'll receive my praise. In the same way it was for the Israelites, so it is for us. Our praise precedes our breakthrough. The most important time in our entire service is the first 10 minutes. Because this is the moment where we are given the opportunity to lift our gaze outside of what we face. We are so consumed with our own lives every other moment, all up 167 hours of the, de- of the week that we're not in church. It's all about us. Let's be real, like it is. And so this is the moment we can come and we can focus on praising God and thanking Him. That's why we do it at the start. Now, I get that life can chuck us a curveball on any given day, on any given morning. And I realize that trying to make it to church on time by taking that lift is about as reliable as spark sport, right? Like, you ain't going to make it on time. But could I encourage you to make a plan and do everything you can to be in the room from the start? Because there is something about putting our focus on God above our own situation that levels us out of it and increases our faith. I get that it can be challenging, but why don't you make a plan to arrive 10 minutes early? Take the stairs, grab a coffee, connect with someone, meet someone new, because it's not all about us. We're, we're here for those that are not yet here. Meet someone new, position yourself for breakthrough, and come ready to meet with God. Oh, it's, yeah, it's 5 to 10, we better get going. We're about 15 minutes away from church, so you know she'll be right. And we get there, and we sort of rush through it. We tick the box, and away we go. And I wonder if you could take just two minutes in the morning to pray, God, I'm turning up to church today with expectation, with faith. I want to meet with you today. I need a word from you today, a fresh word. I'm not living off yesterday's word, but I need a word today, and I need to know that you're real. And turn up early on time, meet people, and have expectation for God to work in your life. See, when we come into an atmosphere of faith and we lift up the name of Jesus, we're elevating our gaze out of our struggle, out of our challenge, and out of our trial. And we are reminded that God is still alive and working in our life today. This is the most important part because we come prepared to thank God for what He's done. You know, some people say, well, I didn't really get anything out of the message or I I haven't had any breakthrough in my life. Sure, but did you come with an attitude of celebration and thanksgiving or did you just come to receive? Actually, was your presence in the room about God or was it actually all about you? Because the Bible says, enter His courts with what? with thanksgiving and praise into his courts, into his house, into his temple. Come to Sunday church with thanksgiving and praise, not a takeaway coffee and a consumerist attitude, right? Not like, I'll just wonder when I'm ready, God. But into his courts with thanksgiving and praise. So why do we start with thanksgiving and praise? Because the Bible is very clear, into his courts. Be ready to start with thanking him for who he is. And out of that, our hearts are open 
the worries drift away and we're ready to receive the word of God in a way that would change us. Here's the truth. If we're missing the praise, we're missing the point. If we're missing the praise, what we are indirectly communicating is it's all about me and what I receive rather than what God has already done. Sunday church is amazing and we will always build it on celebration. Amen? Amen. Awesome. Second and final thing. Uh, Atmosphere can't be downloaded. Atmosphere can't be downloaded. Is that my time? You guys are robbing me of minutes. I don't believe that. I got more for you. All right. The early church, they were devoted to sitting under the apostles' teaching in the gathering of believers because something happened when they came together. There's something special about coming. Something happened, something shifted, and there was a rising of faith when they met in the name of Jesus. Even Jesus said, when you gather in my name, two or more, when you gather in my name, I will be there with you. What is this? This is a promise from God to bless those that are in the room together at the same time. We live in a world where you can download anything from the comfort of your own home, right? Like you no longer have to go to Blockbuster and walk around for two hours to find the movie. Now you can waste two hours at home going through Netflix, (laughs) but at least you can do it in your comfy pants, right? (laughs) Like you can download an incredible podcast sermon. You can download and listen to the most amazing worship songs from the best bands all across the world. You can download Bible commentaries and study guides, but you cannot download community. There is just something about being in the room. Don't be surprised at this. Like, of course, this is the case, right? Because God's plan A for for rising you up, equipping you and sending you out to make a difference is the church. Even Hebrews chapter 10 talks about it. They highlight the value of it. It says, let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm, for God can be trusted to keep his promise. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works, and let us not neglect our meeting together. Don't lose sight of it. Don't lose passion. Don't lose your drive. Don't neglect coming together as some people have, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. Do you know the word church literally comes from the word ecclesia, which when when translated means the gathering of believers. We say, I don't need church to be a Christian. Well, thank God that that's true. Thank God that it's not about our attendance and God's keeping an attendance. And if you miss more than 20%, you're out. Like, it's not about what we do. We're saved by grace alone. But you cannot be the church at home. Yes, you can meet with God at home, absolutely. But it's like a coal that's been removed away from the fire. At first, it's burning hot. But as it's isolated over time, it will only get cooler and cooler. Like, yes, you can be a Christian. And yes, you should meet with God at home. But the word church literally means coming together. All right, so this is the church. We always say the church is not the building, it's the people. It is, but it's the people when they're gathered. And that's important to know. Now, last week, ish, a week and a bit ago, was conference. One conference. Nearly stabbed myself in the mouth with the microphone. <laughs> and for Darcy and I, we were split in between the adult sessions and the youth sessions. First time we were sort of back and forth between both this year. And we started off at the adult sessions and we were gonna go and shoot across to the city campus to hang out with the teenagers. And we heard it was going amazing. Like 500 teenagers on one site, like meeting God, making new mates, like having an incredible time. We heard that God was doing incredible things. That he'd really showed up and he was bringing transformation to young people's lives. We heard that it smelled like teenager everywhere. Now, now we've done youth ministry for a long time, so it's the sort of smell you never forget, right? But I remember hearing that going, 
That's awesome. Like I was intellectually informed about a place and what was happening. I could have relayed that information to someone else. And I thought I knew, but it's only when we turned up and I walked back into the room, I go, hmm, there it is. All the teenagers, they love it. They're all up the front and they're all jumping and they're like, oh, there it is. I'm like, it's the waft. That's what you're talking about. There it is. Walking into the environment, it shifted me. (laughs) It did something to me. The truth is there was something different about being in the room than just hearing about it. You know, when I first started coming to church as a 19-year-old, I didn't believe in God and I thought all Christians were delusional. And I remember sitting at our Botany campus while hundreds of people lifted their hands. They sung with the loudest voices they could. They were worshiping God and they had joy on their faces. And even though I didn't believe in God, can I tell you that this began to shift something in my spirit? There was something about being in this environment that allowed me to experience something I had never experienced before. It was the manifest powerful presence of God. Because yes, you can meet with the Holy Spirit in your bedroom by yourself, and you should. And, and I don't know exactly why it works out this way. I can't rattle off a whole bunch of scriptures for you, maybe just a couple. But the truth is, there is something about coming together that moves the hand of God. There is something that pleases God's heart when His people come together, and it's like an iron sharpens iron situation where we can learn from one another. The faith that you bring adds to the atmosphere. And I'm not talking about a mystical energy, but I'm talking about like an observable, identifiable faith. Acts chapter 14, verse 8 to 10 says, While they were at Lystra, Paul and Barnabas came upon a man with crippled feet. He had been that way since birth, so he had never walked. Sorry, He was sitting and listening as Paul preached. Looking straight at him, Paul realized he had faith to be healed. So Paul called out to him in a loud voice, Stand up, and the man jumped up to his feet and started walking. He must have been leaning forward. This guy that was listening to Paul preach must have been engaged. He must have been chucking out the Pentecostal, come on brother, encouragements as Paul preached because there was something about his presence that made it identifiable that he had faith. Axon, you can join me on keys. There's this other historical account in the Gospels where there's a bunch of friends that want to get their crippled friend to the healing power of Jesus. Jesus is in a room. He's in a house and the crowd is massive. And they know that they need to get in the room. They know that they need to get their friend to the healing power of Jesus. But when they turn up, they notice that the crowd is massive and it's really hard to get in. So they say, ah, it looks a bit hard this time. We'll try again next week. That's not what they said. In case you're wondering. That's not how it panned out. In fact, they did want to get their crippled friend to the healing power of Jesus. And the crowd was really there and it was really hard to get in, but they said, there has to be another way. There has to be another way to get into the room. And so they carried their friend up onto a roof. They cut a hole. They lowered him in right in front of Jesus. And as Jesus saw the faith of the friends, he said to the crippled man, your sins are forgiven. Stand up and walk. And he's miraculously healed. You know what the story tells me? It tells me two things. Number one, that when we bring our faith into the room, it could be a catalyst for somebody else's breakthrough. You being present here today and every Sunday carries so much more purpose that is beyond yourself. And the second thing it shows me is that there was a hunger to overcome the obstacles in order to be present. Do you have that same hunger and urgency to be in the room? Or is this just a couple of clappy, happy, clap along songs and an entertaining message? Or perhaps, just maybe, it's the very thing that God instituted to bring heaven to earth. 
Is this the place that your faith will be built up, that your community will be formed, that your hope will be restored, that your gifts will be developed and your life will be used for something bigger than yourself? I love Sunday church. Many cultures coming together the joy of celebration, inspiration and hope, leadership development, generations learning from one another. You know, the church is actually just like you. It's not perfect, but it's beautiful. Perfect in all its imperfections. It's imperfect because it's made up of imperfect people. I don't know if you've turned up to church expecting it to be like heaven. (laughs) That's for a later stage. (laughs) Right now, we're just a bunch of imperfect people seeking God the best way we know how. Jake Holson said this, one of the most significant lessons that Jesus taught his disciples was to stop looking for God's life in the regiment of rituals and rules. He came not to refurbish religion, but to offer a relationship. Sunday church has never been about a program or an event. It's always been about you and I connecting with the God who made us in a presence, in an atmosphere of faith and expectation. Let's pray.